How are y'all doing? Man, y'all look good. I like to just stare at you for a second. You're staring at me, I get to stare back. Bless the Lord. Man, I'm so happy to be here. In Longview, Texas, it's like a home away from home for us. We love uh, Pastor Marty and Mark and uh, you guys don't know this, but Marty has been a, uh, a very instrumental voice behind the scenes for us. There's often we're like, Marty, what do we do? You know, and so he, we're like, and he answers the phone call. So I, I, I very much honor your pastors. And one thing I will say about Pastor Marty, Pastor Mark, is they are men of God. They are men of God, y'all. And, and I get to be around a lot of people, and I can tell you that, uh, that I definitely honor, I wouldn't say that, I honor your pastors as true men of God. You guys are in a great place, and they love you, and they shepherd you as pastors, and that is an incredible thing. And so, uh, man, can you guys give it up for your pastors real quick? I know they're not here. I know Mark's teaching something. Marty's out. If you're watching, Marty, you said you'd be watching. Hi, Marty. Oh, bless the Lord. I love J-Dub and Kayla, too. We, get, we go back to Kansas City where we got to do ministry together, and so we're just, they're just some of our best friends, and we're just happy to be here. And now we're here among some more of our great friends. We love you. Amen. I'm going to teach you a couple rules here real quick. Okay, I'm going to teach you a couple rules about, uh, about, about me when I preach and when I teach. First of all, as, as I'm preparing you for a rule, hey, babe, would you stand up over there? This is my beautiful wife, Michelle, over here. Come on, this is my wife. Come on, yeah. And, and then my three kids over there, Noah, Judah, and Eden. Hey, she just, oh, man, uh, I, uh, just the joy of my life. Let me tell you a couple rules about when I preach. Are you ready? You are the 10 o'clock crowd, first of all. You slept in. I'm just playing. I'm playing. You're the 10 o'clock crowd, and, and so you've had a couple extra cups of coffee, so you better, you better be ready to go. Are you ready to go today? Yeah. All right. First one, my first rule is I am what we call a talkback preacher. That means you got to talk back to me. Okay? If we have any chance of getting to lunch today, you are going to have to talk back to me. Okay? This is a dialogue. Okay? I need to know that you're with me. So, I don't know what kind of church you're from, but where I'm from, it can be anywhere. If when somebody says something good, it can be like, hey, that's good, amen, okay, ouch. Uh, or maybe you're Pentecostal and you're like, walk that dog, preacher. I don't know what it is that you might say. But on the count of three, I'm going to say, and I'm, I'm going to say Jesus is king, and then you're going to say whatever you would say. Are you ready? One, two, three, Jesus is king. All right, well, we'll have to live with that. All right. The second rule is you guys left me hanging a little bit ago, is this. It's just polite, okay? I expect us in church to be polite. If I say I love you, you say I love you too, okay? I love you. (laughs) We're going to have fun today. This 10 o'clock, we're going to have a good time. Amen. I love the word of God. Psalm 22 and verse 3. Did you find it? Psalm 22 verse 3. You're like, no, I didn't find it. You just said it. We're going to talk today. I want to talk to you today about a a very special subject in my heart. And it's just going to be, we're going to talk about the subject of praise and the expression of worship. 
And we're going to talk about how we do that with passion. Is anybody in here grateful for what the Lord has done in your life? Come on, is there anybody in here that's grateful for Jesus? Is there anybody grateful that he went on the cross that you should have taken? Aren't you grateful that three days later he was raised from the dead? Come on, aren't you grateful that he's seated at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places? Aren't you grateful that he sent his Holy Spirit to live in you and dwell in you to bring new life to you? Are you grateful today? Amen, amen, amen. Woo! We're going to talk about being grateful and uh, fired up. Amen. I love you. Gosh. Amen. Psalm 22, verse 3 says this, Yet you are holy. Somebody say, He is holy. Enthroned on the praise of Israel. You might have a translation that might say that He dwells among the praises of His people. I love the scripture here because that word praise is, is, a, is a fun word. And if you study the, the Bible, the, the New Testament is written in Greek. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. Okay? Now, that Hebrew word for praise is this word called tehillah. Tehillah, not tequila. Okay? They can produce a similar result. But we're talking about tehillah today, okay? We're talking about tehillah today because this word tehillah means this right here. It means an enthusiastic and a public praise. Come on, isn't that good? Did you know that there is an environment that God likes? There's an environment that he wants to be in. There's an environment that he wants to live in. There's an environment that he wants to come and speak in. There's an environment that God likes. The first thing I need you to understand is this right here. God is not a static God. He is a dynamic God. He is a real He's a real being with personality, with feelings, with things that he wants to do, and, and he's a very real God. So the thing I need you to understand is this, is he can choose where he manifests himself. But you say, I thought God is omnipresent. That's true. He is everywhere. But he doesn't have to manifest everywhere. There's a difference between where God is and where he is. is it, you, know, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? There's a difference between where his presence is just because he's God and where he is and where he's moving and where he manifests. And this scripture tells us very clearly that Tehillah is a place that God wants to be. Amen? So 22 and verse 3, there is a scripture that we need to make sure that we understand about praise. Listen, um, I have a burden today that some of us may not understand the importance of praise. Sometimes what I've noticed in churches as I, as I get around a little bit, as I watch, as, I, as I'm seeing, what I'm noticing is, is a lot of people are skipping the praise. What I'm noticing, a lot of people are like, can we just get to the word already? Can we just skip the praise? Can we just skip them? Why do we even do all that music? Because it's very important that we understand to create an atmosphere that God wants to be in. It's very important that we don't lose our praise. It's very important that we don't, that we don't just look at the fast song as like the one where we shake off the dust. You know what I'm saying? Can we just get to the one where I can lift my hand? Praise is a big deal to God. Amen? 
It's an atmosphere that he wants to be. In fact, I want to show you a scripture where we see Tehillah being played out. There's a scripture in 2 Samuel chapter 6. 2 Samuel 6, there's this moment with David. In verse 13, uh, uh, verse 14 to 16, I'm going to turn here in my Bible. 2 Samuel 6, 14 through 16. If you have it, turn there. If not, it's going to be up on the screen behind us. Are you ready? Okay, I'm going to read this, and then I'm going to give you context, and we're going to have some fun. Yeah? Amen. I love Jesus with all my heart. I just really like him because I once was a sinner. Man, I was pull, I'm, just, I'm just a country boy from the middle of nowhere, southwest Kansas with no hope and no future. I grew up in trailer parks. I grew up in, I, didn't, I never lived in anything you couldn't pull, fold up, or put in the back of a truck. You know what I'm saying? I don't deserve to be here. I'm just happy to be here, y'all. Like, I'm just like, the fact that Jesus saved me where he saved me, I have no idea how he did it, but I'm grateful. And I just said, yes, I'm going to serve you with all my heart, Jesus. And that's why I'm going to have a little bit of passion. Because I think it is a travesty to have the news that we have and the Savior that we have, and we have no joy. Man, I've seen us have more, way more power. I'm not being cliche here, y'all. I know this can be cliche, but I've seen us have way, more, way, way, way more passion over our football team, over landing a 10-pound bass, over getting that 12-point buck. We're excited, but when we hear the gospel, all of a sudden we got to come in and sit down and be quiet. Church is not a place to be quiet. Last time I checked, the gospel still means good news. And last time I checked, Jesus left that tomb, and that tomb is still empty, and he is still the king, and he is still the Lord. Yeah. Amen. We have a little bit to be excited about. Some of you are like, why are you so excited? Because it's Jesus. Listen, I heard, I heard a guy say this one time. He said, if you're not impressed with Jesus, you haven't seen him lately. Well, one of the one of the worst sins that I feel like as a as a as believers we have to be careful of, the worst sin, is the sin of indifference. Is the sin of indifference to the gospel that we can hear the fact that Jesus is King and we're like, cool. No, He's King of Kings and Lord of Lords. If it hadn't been for Him saying yes, we would still be in our sin. We would still be separated from, the, from our heavenly father. We would have no relationship and no hope. Listen, Jesus is the greatest thing that has ever happened to you, has ever happened to this world, has ever happened to humanity. The fact that Jesus said yes to come into the world deserves a response. It deserves a response. I love you. Amen. I grew up in churches where we didn't respond. And it never helped me. I was planning how I was going to sin before, and then I sat through church, and I was still planning how I was going to sin afterwards. It didn't help me. It didn't help me. What did help me was when I walked into a church one day, and I found some people responding. I found some people who actually had some passion. I found some people who actually loved God with all of their heart, all their soul, all their mind, and all their strength. And I found some people who said, you know what, God, I may be broken, I may be a mess, I may not know what I'm doing, but I am yours, and I will respond in praise, and I will respond in worship, because you are a good God. Come on, if you've seen God be good in your life, I wish by faith you would give him some praise in this place. Come on, if you're thankful for Jesus. Oh, I love you. Second, did I, did I say 2 Samuel 6 already? 
Amen. We're just having fun. We're just warming up here, you know. We're just having a good time. Uh, we're looking at Tehillah. This is Tehillah. Ooh. I love the story. 2 Samuel 6, 14 through 16. I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to give you some context. Are you ready? I said, are you ready? Okay. All right. You're getting quiet on me again. All right. Cool. <laughs> then David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of God. Somebody say the ark of the Lord. With shouting. Somebody say shouting. And with the sound of the trumpet. Now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, Saul's daughter, which is the previous king. So this is, this is uh, David's first wife. Looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. To be clear, he didn't divorce her. He just had a, a problematic theology on several wives. Amen. Verse 20. Then David returned to bless his household, and Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today. You like kind of snarky, right? Uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of the servants and of the base fellows, shamelessly uncovers himself. <laughs> watch David, watch David, David. David said, Girl? <laughs> He said, girl, I was, it was before the Lord. Now watch this. I'm like, David, chill, bro. Um, he said, who chose me instead of your dad. Ouch. Yeah, yeah. Probably not great marital example right there. But he's making a point, right? He's clapping back at her. He's like, hey, girl, chill. I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> Some of you sh probably should stop doing this. Amen. <laughs> it was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord of Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord, and I will be even more undignified. Come on, isn't that good? I will be more undignified. Have you ever worshipped until you lost your dignity? Have you ever responded to the goodness of God until you lost your dignity? Amen. Now watch this. And I will be humble in my own sight. Did you know there's a connection between your humility and your praise? There's a connection between humility and your praise. How many times have you failed to enter into what God was really leading you into, into a moment of, uh, of abandonment and praise or worship, but you got caught up in what would people think about me? Yeah. You can't have the fear of the Lord and the fear of man in the same breath. The thing that keeps you from fearing the Lord is actually the fear of man. And it has stopped more of the work and the move of God than anything else in the world is what would people think. You can't have the fear of man and the fear of God. Amen? But as for the maidservants who you have spoken by them, I will be held in honor. I want to talk to you for just a few, minute about, a few minutes about praising enthusiastically and why this is important. But can we pray first? Father, we love you, and we're grateful for you. I'm thankful for Jesus today, and you are good, and you do good. Lord, I'm, I'm grateful for the prayer points around this room, Lord. You are the God who says yes and amen. Thank you for souls. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Let me set a scene for you here real quick. Because this story that we just read, 
is it needs context because text without context is pretext. So for you to understand really what's happening here, you have to know what's, you have to back up a little bit. We just read 1 Samuel 6. If you back up a little bit, just start in the book of first, first part of 1 Samuel or 2 Samuel, and you'll find out that David has just become king. He's 30 years old, and he has just become king. And one of the first things that he wants to do is he wants to go get the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Lord, and he wants to bring it into the house of David. He wants to bring it into the city of David, into the place where he's living. The problem is, is that a, a little bit earlier, what had happened was the Philistines had actually conquered Israel and they had taken the Ark of the Covenant. They would taken the Ark. But then they found out that, hey, this wasn't going well for us, so they sent it back. They sent the Ark back. They sent it back to Israel, but it didn't make it all the way back. They, they, they got about part of the way, but it didn't get all the way back. So David says, I need to bring it home. We need to bring this ark home. The reason that they were after the Ark of the Covenant was because the ark represents the presence of God. In the Old Testament, the ark of God represented where God lives. How many of you all know that one of the most important things we can do is to fight for God's presence? We need to make sure that one of the first things that we do as men of God and as women of God is that we Fight for the presence of God. Listen, husbands, you have to fight for the presence of God in your home. Wives, listen, you have to fight for the presence of God in your home. Teenagers, you may be in a home with unbelieving parents, and you have to fight for the presence of God in your home. We must begin to fight for the presence of God to be in our home. Listen, it's bring that word of God to your dinner table. Spend time in prayer together. But we have to fight for it. And David at least understood this. David is an incredible man of God, but he's also very problematic. But one thing God that David understood was that he needed God's presence. And it's such a big deal because when you get God's presence, you get everything else. If you get this, this part right, you can fix everything else. Listen, if God be for you, who can be against you? And I like, just like Moses, we need to begin to say, God, if you won't go with us, we're not going. We need God's presence again, y'all. I'm tired of doing church without God's presence. I don't want, I don't want the, my, even my home to be without God's presence. I want God's presence in my truck. I want God's presence when I'm out and about in Walmart. Listen, I need God's presence to be with me. We can't be believers who just simply go through the motions and have no idea where, where God is. Listen, y'all, I want God with me, and I need God with me. And we have, It's something we have to contend for. David understood that we must contend for the presence of God. So here he is. He's, he's contending for the presence of God. So he went to get this. The only part, the only, the only issue was that he didn't do it the right way. The Bible says that he, he hooked up a cart to some oxen, and he got some guys to put this, the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant, on a cart and it was being pulled by oxen. The problem was, was that's not how God said you move my presence. God said animals are never supposed to carry my presence. He said it's only supposed to be carried by the priests, by men and women. How many of you all know that God does not anoint machinery? He does not anoint methods. What God anoints is people. You are the carrier of the glory of God. You are the carrier of the presence of God. If we're going to see revival, it's not going to be because we, be, we have a better method or we add another church service or we get this building built. The presence of God, listen, and the anointing of God is never on a building. It is on the people who carry the glory of God. You, my friend, are a carrier of the glory of God. And if you're going to see revival in your home, it's going to be because you carried it in. 
So many times we're looking to a new method, and God does not anoint methods. We're looking, if we finish the building, he'll do it. No, 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 no. If you'll get on your face before God, he'll do it. If you'll learn how to carry the presence of God, he will do it. Come on, you want to see the power of God move in your family? Begin to cry out to the Lord. Get on your face before him and become a carrier of God's presence. He wants to move through you. So the issue was, was was that he tried to move it in a way that God did not assign and what happened was the, one of the oxen stumbled and a man named Uzzah reached out to stable the Ark of the Covenant. And the Bible says the Lord was angry and smote Uzzah and he died right there. If you think this is just an Old Testament thing, go read Acts. Because there are things that we can do to step out of the, out of the will of God. We're literally in the New Testament. You see in Acts chapter 5, you see the Lord killed somebody. This is a serious deal that we understand the holiness of God, the greatness of our God. He is a king of kings and lord of lords. Can I just tell you something right now? Uh, you, you do not make him lord. He was lord way before you said yes. He is lord by divine right. He is lord because he is lord. He is lord because he was there before you. Say, so why, 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 why do I have to do what God says to do? I know some of you are thinking, why do, why do I have to follow, follow, follow? Why do I have to make him lord? Why is he right? Well, for one, like I said, he is lord. Number two, can I just be real, real with you? You're on his property. The Bible says he owns, he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. The, the, the earth belongs to him. When you're on somebody's property, don't you do what, he's, what, what they say? You obey by their rules? He is king of kings and he is lord of lords. And I need you to understand that, that he is lord. Whether you say yes or not, listen to what the Bible says, that one day you will bow your knee and you will, talk, you will confess with your tongue that he is lord. It's very important that we do that on this side of death. You understand that? I love you. I sense a burden right now in my heart that some of you, you are very lost. You are very lost. (laughs) It breaks my heart. I have a burden in my heart to see you come to Jesus. Listen, you must do it on this side of your death. Yes. Okay? It's very serious. And that doesn't mean you just bow your knee and, and make a confession. That's all fine and well. You must become a disciple. Jesus never said, hey, you know what, just come have a moment with me, and then you're good. He looked at, me, he looked at his disciples and he said, follow me. It's an ongoing thing. So what we call a salvation moment is not the finish line. It is the doorway. It is the entryway. It is the path. It's setting your foot on this path that God has for you. And we must become disciples. Some of us have been tricked into the idea that I responded to a moment and therefore I'm good. But there has never been true repentance. If you are holding to your sin and there has not been true repentance in your heart, then I would beg to differ that you have not truly said yes to Jesus. Not that there is not room for discipleship and growth, but if you still have known sin, that you are choosing not not to give to Jesus. Amen. I love you. There is still holiness. Amen. Amen. So this moment, Uzzah reached out and touched the, touched the Ark of the Covenant, and it cost him his life. And then David got scared. David got scared, and he said he got angry and fearful, and he said, I can't bring this thing into my house. I don't know what to do. So he left it right where it was, and it was at a man named Obed-Edom's house. Obed-Edom's house. And so then David went home. David went home, and what happened was is a few months later, within a few months, he gets reports 
that Obed-Edom's house is flourishing. Once again, get the presence of God in your home. Get the presence of God in your heart. Get the presence of God in your life. And things begin to flourish. I didn't say he would make you rich, but he would give you peace and joy and abundance. Abundance of peace and joy. How many of y'all know that would be good? Come on. Some of the contentions in your marriage are just simply a lack of peace and joy because there's no presence of God. Bring the presence of God into your marriage. Amen. So David said, hey, I want that. (laughs) So he went, and this time he did it right. And the Bible says that he took priests and they carried it from Obed-Edom's house into the city of David. From door to door, research has told me that that was probably about 3.1 miles, a 5K. Anybody ever run a 5K? Walk to 5K? You're like, no, sir. Will not be running a 5K. I like the stickers. You know, these people have the 5K, all that, and then there's the piece of people have the 0K. See that one? Yeah. <laughs> so this, this guy, this is a 5K, y'all. There's, this is a 5K from door to door. And then the Bible says in verse 13, we didn't read it, but verse 13 says that those who were bearing the ark of the Lord, when they had gone six paces, that he offered and sacrificed oxen and sheep, okay? Every six paces for a 5K, one, two, three, four, five, six, boom. He would stop and he would kill an ox and at least one sheep, okay? If you've done the math on this, that's about 18 feet. That is 909 times that he stopped to make a sacrifice. 909 times. Now, I talked to you about running a 5K, and some of you were like, oh, dear Jesus. No, sir. The Bible did not say that David walked a 5K. The Bible says, do you remember what the Scripture says? He danced before the Lord for a 5K. So for a 5K, every 18 feet, Jesus is, or, or David is going, hallelujah, yeah, woo, oh, God is good, yeah. And not only that, he made the worship team dance with him, right? So like passing the people, the drummer's up there like, wow, boom, Josh is on the keys, and he's pushing it on wheels. Looks like this one. It has wheels. Right, and the, the worship team is there, and Jay David is dancing, and the worship team is playing for a 5K, and they stop every 18 feet, and they make a sacrifice. 909 times. Listen, y'all, this is over-the-top Tehillah type of praise. Listen, how awkward would it have been? Listen to this. How awkward would it have been to be the one person in the middle of this scene? Everybody's going crazy. Blood is being slung everywhere. And you're like. Over here on your phone. What's for lunch? Probably an ox. (laughs) It would have been out of place in the presence of God to be indifferent. 
I remember, when I, I remember recently I was, uh, a few years ago it hit me. I, I, I don't like to dance, y'all. I don't dance, okay? Um, I really don't dance. Uh, but I remember I was like, so I was always the guy that I, I was like, y'all go dance, I'll be chill. You know, like weddings, like a wedding or something. You know, everybody's having a good time and everything's good. And, and you're like, it's, it's not holy to dance. I'm like, true in some ways. But so my wife wants to dance and stuff. So I was like, no. And then I remember a few years ago, we were actually in Georgia at some of our friends' uh, friends wedding. And, and I was like, fine, whatever. I'll get out there. And I started having fun. You know, like we're keeping it holy in Jesus. I'm with my wife, right? We're having a good time. And I, then I looked over. And for the first time, I was not this guy, but I looked over and I walked, I saw one guy sitting over there, like we're dancing, we're having a good time, and I, one guy is over there sitting at the table. And I was like, ha. <laughs> I was like, how out of, and I thought this, this is a true story, I thought, man, he looks weird. At a dance, not dancing. I was like, that's the one that looks, that's the one that looks weird, right? The one at the dance, not dancing, is the one that looks weird. Did you know this is called a worship experience? Do you know the one that looks weird at a worship experience? The one not worshiping. <laughs> Josh was like, yeah. <laughs> the one, listen, this is a worship experience. And not only is it a worship experience, but it is a worship of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Come on, the one who created the heavens and the earth and is still intrinsically involved in your life. The one who loves you and cares for you. The one who said, you know what, I could have been distant, but I chose to be close. The one who never fails. The one whose promises are yes and amen. The one who sits on the throne of David. The one who's at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places. The one who is returning with a sword in his mouth. This is the King of kings and Lord of Lords. I don't know that y'all really believe in the same Jesus I believe in. I don't know. I think you guys are like, well, he's pretty cool. I think he's awesome. I think he's the best thing since sliced bread. I think he's amazing. When I think about Jesus, when I think about the Lord, come on, you don't know these old songs and what he's done for me. I could dance, dance, dance on. You don't know. I'm about to Pentecostal on you right there. And you're like, some of you are like, what is Pentecost? I was about to show you. <laughs> and I have permission. I, am a, I, I consider myself a spiritual mutt. I am Catholic, Baptist, Church of Christ, Pentecostal. I have been to all of them and been very involved in all of them. I know how to speak Espanol, so I'm quito Espanol. I know how to do the Catholic up and down. I know how to do it. I know how to be in Baptist. I know how to be in Church of Christ where we have no, where we have no keyboard and we only sing the first, second, and fourth verses. And I also know how to dance before the Lord. I have been to all of them. I can speak to them all. Amen. Some of you are like, what is happening? <laughs> you see, what I found out is this right here is that worship that's not expressed is not worship. The same way that in your marriage, you, lo- you, you, you lovers up in here, okay? If you don't express your love to your spouse, it's never received. You see, sometimes we, we think that we can come to God and we can give him the worship that I want to give him. That does not work in your marriage. You ever heard of the five love languages? There's five love languages people have. It's, uh, it's I'll, I'll forget one if I don't read it. It's uh, words, 
of affirmation, acts of service, quality time, gifts, physical touch. What happens, one of the things that happens in our marriages, and I'll get into marriage, this will help you. This is for free. One of the things that happens in our marriages is that we are giving love the way that we want to receive love. The problem is, is that your spouse probably doesn't receive love the same way you receive love. And therefore, you feel like you are loving them well, and they feel completely empty. Amen? I am an acts of service guy. My wife is words of affirmation. She does not feel, she, maybe a little bit, but does, she doesn't really feel loved when I load the dishwasher. She really doesn't care. Okay? She wants me to give her words. Okay? And so I have to go out, get outside of my comfort zone. I have to get outside of myself enough to love her the way she needs to be loved. If she's going to feel my love, it's not going to be through what I want to do. It's going to be through what she needs. Okay? And this is exactly how our relationship with God is. We come in and say, you know what? I'm going to love you the way I love you. And God says, no, I don't receive love that way. In this moment, this is a moment where you tell me how awesome I am. Now, he doesn't say it like that. It's outside of his character. But he feels loved when we open our mouth and when we express and we align our heart and our body and our mouth to him. That's why the Bible says to lift holy hands. That's why the Bible says to shout because we are aligning ourselves with the goodness of God. That's how God receives love. You see, some, of, some people say, well, I'm just not an expressive person. It's not about you in that moment. I'm an introvert. Last time, and I read this a lot, I didn't see introvert or extrovert in this Bible last time I read through it. Last time I looked, there was no Enneagram, no Myers-Briggs. It didn't say, hey, you know what, like, uh, worship me with all your heart unless, you, you know, unless you're an a, a eight on the Enneagram or unless you're an introvert. Those words are not in the Bible. <laughs> I love you. We must learn to respond to God, to his level. To me, it's a black mark on the church, not this church, pathway, we've got it down, okay? It's a black mark on the church, and I'm going to make it more personal, even, even in our own homes, that we could talk about Jesus with so little passion. Yo, this is the most amazing news in the world, and yet... Ooh. Yet we hide it for fear of what people will think. When we bury the gospel because of the pressure of culture, it'll never be discovered. I don't know about y'all. I refuse to bow. And this isn't just something we do in church, y'all. Uh, we, we go out and we go. Like, we go out to college campuses and we preach the gospel. 
We go out and we park out where students, we, 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 we go where students are walking by and we start declaring Jesus. And people repent in the middle of nowhere, the middle of the plazas because of the gospel. I refuse to bow. I refuse to hide this gospel. This gospel deserves a response. The goodness and greatness and grandeur of our God deserves a response. It deserves a moment where we say, God, you're amazing. I've never seen, I have never seen somebody truly make a difference without passion. And I'm not saying you have to have, you have to, your passion has to look like mine. But what I am saying is that there is passion required. Come on, have you ever went and got the mac and cheese out? Make mac and cheese for your kids, and they give you almost everything, but then they say, you got to bring some milk, and you got to bring some butter, and you got to put those things together, and you got to make this thing. Listen, God brings most of the box. But there's a lot of what you still have to put in the box. If this thing is going to be effective for the kingdom, guess what? There are some things you have to bring to the table. You have to bring some passion, and you have to bring some love, and you have to bring yourself because God is not going to do it by himself. Amen. <laughs> oh, I love you. I'm deciding what I want to do now. There's this moment. Josh, you can come. I'm, I'm wrapping up here. Bless the Lord. I'm having a good time with y'all. I'm having fun. People are like, you're having, like, we really like the man. I'm like, I have the most fun. If I have fun, I've, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> I've done this too much to not have fun with it. Amen. Love you. There's a story in Acts 16 that, um, just a moment where the Apostle Paul and Silas, they're, they're out preaching the gospel publicly. Did you know that there was, if you back up 70 years, most pastors were considered negligent if they did not have an open-air message throughout every week? Did you know that our licenses used to say, used to say permission to preach the word? You are licensed to preach the everlasting gospel. We used to preach. We used to take our responsibility seriously. We used to really, 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 really do this thing. And, and I think as believers, we need to take up the mantle and take, the, take it very seriously that we preach this gospel. But I'm not saying everybody has to be, go out and start yelling Jesus everywhere, but we must take our responsibility to carry the gospel into our workplaces, into our families very seriously. We must be sensitive to the Spirit of God when we're walking through, or we're walking through the grocery stores to bless people and to declare the gospel to them. Did you know most people are looking for the gospel? They just don't know it. Amen. But there's this moment where Paul and Silas are preaching the gospel and they get put in prison in Acts chapter 16. And the Bible says that at midnight, you know, we preach this a lot of ways and it's a lot of fun. I preach it as Pentecost and all of that. And it's like we preach it as, man, they're late in the midnight hour. Kyle's going to turn it around. Right? And they lifted up their voice and because they praised the prison walls, the doors flew open. And that's what happened. My concern is, is, is I, I'm going to be all real honest with you, I love God. With all my heart, he is my best friend. He is my father. My concern with that is that as Americans, we tend to look at that and formulize that moment. We tend to look at that moment and go, if you praise, the prison doors will open up. And we'll preach and we'll say, if you'll praise the Lord, I don't know what you're going through, but he'll break you out. And that's not a wrong thing necessarily, but it's missing the mark. 
of the heart of God. I believe all those things. I've seen people healed. I've watched a lady this year come out of a wheelchair. It happens. God, it happens. But we take this moment where Paul and Silas, they're, they're in prison, and yet they're praising. They're in the prison, and I don't think that they had any intention or any expectation that God was going to do what he did. He just did it. And yet we look at this and go, if I do it, then he will. No, 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 we're missing it. See, true believers, they're not praising for a breakthrough. They're praising in. They're praising in the problem. See, a true believer can say, God, I don't know what's happening around me, but I'm going to lift my voice in praise anyway. Because if you do it, great. If you don't do it, great. Come on, just like the boys in the fire in Daniel. The Bible says that they looked at King Nebuchadnezzar and he said, I'm going to throw you in the fire unless you bow. And they said, my God is able. But even if he doesn't, I want you to know, King, I will not bow. You see, believers, we know how to praise when it works, and we know how to praise when it doesn't. We know how to praise through a healing, and we know how to praise when they die. We know how to praise when we get a financial breakthrough, and we know how to praise when, when we get fired. We know how to praise in every circumstances. And this was what Paul said. He said, in every situation, I know how to be content. I know how to praise God anyway. Listen, the heart of God is this. The heart we must have for God is that I praise you because you're good. My burden today, listen, my burden for Pathway today is I was praying early, 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 early this morning. I've been praying for you all week. But I was praying early, early this morning. The Lord put a burden on my heart and he said, I want to restore the joy of salvation. You see, sometimes we, we've lost our joy because we put our joy in God's performance. There was this moment in Luke chapter 10 where the disciples had just been sent out by Jesus and sent them out two by two and they came back and they were like, Jesus, this is amazing. We cast out devils and we healed the sick and we preached the gospel and it was amazing. And Jesus goes, that's great. It's exciting, boys. I beheld Satan fall as lightning. That's great. I'm happy for you. But let me show you something better. He said, I'm going to tell you why you rejoice. Don't rejoice because of performance. Rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Listen, so many of us have lost the joy of our salvation. And the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 3, it says that we draw water from the well of salvation with joy. With joy we draw water from the well of salvation. Do you want to know what God has for you? It's going to be connected with the joy of your salvation. When is the last time that you just threw your hands up and said, God, God, I'm so thankful just to be saved. When's the last time that we said, God, you're amazing. Thank you for being my father. Thank you for adopting me into your family. Thank you for making me your son. Thank you for sending your spirit to confirm it. Thank you that I get to spend eternity with you. I'm grateful that your kingdom has come right now. So many times we've 
flipped this gospel. He made it all about God's performance. And I'm going to tell you that he's worthy of your praise, whether he ever performs another thing. The fact that you are not in your sin, have an opportunity to not be in your sin. The fact that you've heard the gospel twice. It's not fair that you've heard it twice and some people haven't heard it once. He's amazing. He's amazing and he's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our worship. Stand up on your feet real quick. I'm going to close this thing out. I'm going to have prayer team come forward. But I have a burden because some of us, we've lost the joy of our salvation. If you would, just close your eyes for just a second. Just close your eyes. Just can you create a moment here. just with your eyes closed for a second, how many of y'all need you, need, you need the joy of your salvation restored? I know I'm talking to believers. Some of you in here, you may not be a believer yet. If you're in this place today and you say, Cody, I, I need the joy of my salvation restored. I'm here, but I need the joy of my salvation restored. On the count of three, would you just put your hand up with me? I just want to pray with you. One, two, three. Come on, just put your hand up. I need the joy of my salvation restored. Come on, there's hands everywhere. This is, it's amazing. I love it. It's a burden. I have a, just a burden for this. God, I need. Some of you would have the joy of salvation if you said yes. Every head bowed, every eye closed, just for another second or two. If you're in this place today and you would say, Cody, I don't really know that I am. I don't really know if I am his. I need it. There's a few ways you can, there's a few ways you can know. First of all, listen, if there's if you, are, if you are in this place and you have sin that you have refused to give up, that's the thing you need to give to, you need to, give to the Lord today. But if you're in this place and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I'm not giving you a finish line. This is not a finish line. This would be a starting line. If you're in this place today and you, need to, you say, I need a relationship with Jesus, on the count of three, would you just put your hand up? One, two three. Come on, let me see it. Come on. There's a hand in the back. I love it. That's amazing. Come on. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Amen. We're going to pray. If you lifted your hand for salvation, listen, you need to find a leader. Find somebody with that, with the tag on. Find one of the pastors. I'm not going to pray with you. I need you to find them because I I refuse to have a moment. I want you to get on a path. We're going to pray today for those of you who said, I need the joy of my salvation restored. Come on, can we just just join me in prayer today? Say, I'm going to pray, and I just want you to agree in your heart. Lord, I thank you for, I thank you for making Jesus real in us again. Real and big. Real and big. Jesus, we... We need the joy of our salvation restored. Holy Spirit, come. You said that you would give us a spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father. In 1 John, the the word says, Holy Spirit, that you would confirm in our hearts that we are yours. So thank you today, Father. Restore the joy of salvation. 
Restore the joy of our salvation today. Jesus, you're amazing. And you're awesome. And we're grateful. Come on, everybody just lift your hands in this place. I want to declare a blessing over you before we go. I just want to declare a blessing. If you would, I just want to declare a blessing. Lord, I thank you for blessing my brothers and sisters. God, bless us today. God, bless our marriages. God, bless our children. God, bless our ministries. Bless our businesses. God, that your presence would be with us. God, today we commit to contend for your presence. Thank you. Thank you. Make Jesus real in every one of my friends today. And as we go, I thank you right now for that. That Jesus is real in every one of us. Bless him today. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen, amen. You're officially dismissed. If you need prayer, our prayer team is up here. If you lifted your hand to say yes to Jesus, come find one of these prayer warriors. If you need prayer for the joy of your salvation, come find one of them. Love you, church. Hey, Pastor Marty here from Pathway Church. I just want to say thank you for joining us. And I want to encourage you to get connected and stay connected. And there's several ways you can do that. Number one, you can download the Pathway app and we are all the time offering resources and information on that app for you. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you do, make sure you click the bell so that you never miss any life-giving and life-changing content as we add it to the channel. And then also... Uh, make sure you follow us on social media, on Instagram, on Facebook. Look, our hope and heart for you is that you walk in the purpose for which God made and created and redeemed you for. We love to connect people to purpose. We thank you for giving us this opportunity. And if you're ever in Longview or you are in Longview, I'd love to invite you to join us in person each weekend. Listen, I pray God's best for your life. I believe if you follow Jesus, your best is ahead.